Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. James chapter 1, go down to verse 12. Go down to verse 12. If you're there at 9 a.m., can you say amen? Amen. Beginning in verse 12, the word of the Lord says this. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person, but each person, every single person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Couple more verses, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Come on, how good is that? James chapter 1, we read about 10 verses. We're going to take a pause there. James chapter 1, I believe, tells us so much about the topic that we've been talking about, breaking free, about freedom in our soul, in our mind, in our emotions. And I want to continue this topic, breaking free, out of James chapter 1. Later on this fall, we'll get more into the specifics about the entire letter. But um, today, I want to continue this series. If you're taking notes, and we're note takers at Calvary. Hopefully, you got a notebook or a phone. Uh, I want to talk to you from this title today. I'm turning around. I'm turning around. Why don't you turn around to three, four people around you right now and tell them, I'm turning around. High five three people around you and tell them, I'm turning around. I'm turning around. I'm turning around. Let's pray. And then we're going to speak about this for about 24, 25 minutes. We won't take too long today. I know you got barbecues and family sessions and all that. Uh, but uh, we're going to pray, talk about James chapter 1 for a little bit. And then we'll worship one more time and then go have an incredible Sunday. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace your mercy, your compassions that are made new each and every single day. God, thank you for your love. Thank you, God, that you're awesome. Thank you for uh, this word, the letters, the living word that is, it's healing to the bones and it brings healing to our souls. And we pray that today you may heal. We pray that today you may transform. We pray that today the oppressed would be set free. 
We pray that those possessed will be set free. We pray that eyes would be open, hearts would be open, years of bitterness, hurt, rejection, anger would be wiped away by your Holy Spirit and you'll bring healing into this place and to all those watching. God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for loving people like us. We can't earn it or deserve it. Some of us know there's no way you should love us, but you have been good and you are good. And for that, we thank you and we love you, Father. And it's in Jesus' name that all of Calvary Church says, Amen. Oh, come on. All of Calvary Church says, Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. There was this village in India that was facing a massive problem. This, this village began to have some experiences with monkeys that were going into the village and they were literally tearing the village apart. There's been articles about it. There's been news pieces about it. The monkeys, they began to get hungry and they began to smell the food from the village and so they began to literally plummet some of the houses and they began to tear everything apart trying to find the food that they smelled. And it became a problem. All of their crops were destroyed. All of their homes were destroyed. You would wake up and there was monkeys in the kitchen, monkeys in the living room, monkeys in the bedroom. Um, they were surrounded by monkeys. Monkeys look cute, but don't be deceived. Monkeys are vicious, evil. Some of them are possessed by Satan. And, and so it was a major problem. And so, so they came up with an idea. We need to capture the monkeys and begin to relocate them to another place. And so they came up with this trap for the monkeys. And what they did is that they put these specific jars, which they tied with stakes down to the ground. And in the jars, they placed the fruits or the food that the monkeys were looking for. And the monkeys started to come down to the village like they did every single day. And they began to put their hands in the jar. And once they put their hands in the jar and they grabbed the fruit that they wanted, they realized that they couldn't bring out the fruit because the fruit was bigger than the opening of the jar. And because they were so fixated on grabbing the fruit or the food, they would not let it go and they ended up themselves capturing themselves in this trap until their captors came, grabbed them, and were able to relocate them. And one article said, even with the captors walking toward them, they still wouldn't let go of the fruit. And they were stuck because of their own desire to grab the fruit. This article I think really spoke to me, gave me a picture of what we go through, humanity, mankind goes through, because each and every single one of us, we, we are looking for satisfaction. We are looking to fill a void of the soul. All of humanity, we are searching, we are looking, we are trying to find something that can fill the heart, that can satisfy the soul, and we look to all kinds of places to see what can bring me happiness, what can bring me satisfaction. Maybe it's a brand new car, maybe, maybe it's it's a brand new pair of shoes, maybe it's another relationship. This other relationship didn't make me happy, so maybe it's this one. Maybe I need a new spouse. The old one wasn't working, and so... So I need something to help me because I can't find no satisfaction. And so we're looking everywhere. And I just believe that the problem is that wrong sources never give right satisfaction. We can look everywhere, 
But if it's not the right source for our soul, we are never going to be fully satisfied. Oh, we'll find a little bit of satisfaction. We'll find a little bit of pleasure for sure. You'll have a little bit of happiness and you'll go through this emotion where you feel satisfied. You feel like I finally found the well that I was looking for. It was this new relationship. It was a brand new bottle. It was a brand new vice. It was a brand new possession. But sooner or later, how many know that, that, that fades? It's not eternal satisfaction. And the problem is that these sources, they're limited in what they can give and limited sources can't give unlimited satisfaction. And so we search and we look and we think that we find and what we end up doing is that we end up trapped. Somebody say trapped. We end up captured and snared by the things we thought were going to give us what they promised. And it's really empty promises. They really, they really, all they did was tempt us. All they did was tell us, come over here, stick your hand in this cookie jar, and you'll find the satisfaction. And it's just a temptation to solve an eternal problem with a temporary solution. Are you following along so far? It's what we call temptation. Somebody say temptation. What are temptations? One of the best definitions I found is that temptations are invitations to abandon God's will. Temptations are invitations to abandon God's will. In other words, they're opportunities to turn from God to a secondary thing that promises satisfaction well you don't need to follow the word of God you don't need to you don't need to go to church you don't join no connect group for this summer you don't need six weeks of connect groups you got this by yourself I'll surround you with some really good friend oh it doesn't matter if you're single I'm gonna bring you this honey boo-boo I'm gonna bring you the right person this summer and you're gonna be a-okay and all it is is temptation to avoid God's plan and destiny for your life and turn to something that will not satisfy temptation which by the way all of us are tempted Every single one of us are tempted, will be tempted, have been tempted. Every single one of us. Christians are really good at being professional liars. And they act like they're not tempted. You ever, you ever seen some of those Christians? They act like they float everywhere. They got angels everywhere. It's like every single, if you, ha, if you know somebody and they act like they're not tempted, they're tempted with lying. They are lying. They're lying straight through their crooked teeth. They are lying, right? We, every single human is tempted. We're tempted. By the way, not all temptations have to be sexual in nature. We all, all of a sudden assume that it's sexual, but some of us are tempted to give up. Give up our walk of faith. Some of us are tempted to self-sabotage. Some of us are tempted in messing up the plans and purposes that God has for our life. Some of us are tempted to stay in shame and guilt. Some of us are tempted to give up on our marriage. Some of us are tempted to rage and temper tantrums. Some of us are tempted to unforgiveness. Some of us are tempted to other things. And so we all are tempted. We all have an area where we need God. Every single human being on the face of this earth has an area where they need to trust God in. And if you think you don't, that's pride and you need God there. Every single one. Human. Otherwise, why do you need salvation? Why did you go, I'm good, I'm perfect, I'm, I'm good all by myself. I got life all together, but I still need Jesus to save. No, you were drowning. You were drowning in your flesh and your desires and your lust, and you needed Jesus, and he came and he rescued us. Come on. 
Now, now, when we turn, when we go to these opportunities, temptations, it hurts the soul more than we acknowledge. It hurts the soul in deeper levels, psychological levels. It literally is beyond the physical. We can go down now into the intellectual. We can go down now to the soul of humanity where the heart, the will, the emotions are. And we end up oppressed, possessed, hurt with bitterness, anger, rejection, chaos. We end up alone. We end up actually marginalized because sin always comes to disrupt God's plan for humanity. And so our souls are heavy. And I believe as we've been going through this series, there's people here today and there's people watching online, wherever you are, all over the world. Our souls today are heavy. And you're like, I've been there. I've been, I've been turning. I've been tempted. I've fallen after the wrong thing. And today my soul feels the weight of it. You may be a follower of Jesus. You may be a believer in Jesus. Your spirit is saved. You're going to heaven. But your soul is oppressed. Your soul is bound because... Temptation and sin will always cost us more than we acknowledge. And our souls today are vexed, perplexed, bound by the temptations that we have given into. Abandon God's will and plan purposes for our life daily. And what I thank God today is that his grace and his mercies are made new each and every single day. Oh, come on, and if there's shame and guilt in the house because you've turned away from God, because you've gone to a temporary vice, or you've gone looking for satisfaction in the wrong places, if you thought a possession, a person, or a place would do it, there is a person, his name is Jesus. He brings healing for the soul. Come on, anybody thankful for the doctor that comes to heal the soul? He's the one that comes to deliver. He's the one that comes to free. Today, we can walk out of here with a healed soul, with a good heart, because he's a good father. Can we give him a praise today and so today what we have to acknowledge what we learn from James is that actually a healthy soul is a disciplined heart discipline somebody say discipline we have to learn today how to discipline the heart that we have in order to have a healthy soul a disciplined heart that moves in the right direction will give you the healthy soul to end up in the right destination I need, a, I, need, I need a heart that's disciplined, that doesn't turn with every opportunity I have. I need to learn how to discipline the flesh so that I don't go after and turn away and I'm tempted by everything that comes my way. Are you following me so far? So James, this is what he's talking about in his letter. Right at the very beginning, he's talking to believers, Christians. We have to put our place in the culture and context of what's happening. James is writing to churches, believers all over who are experiencing persecution. They are under trial. They are under fire for believing in Jesus. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. If anybody understood persecution, it's James. Imagine your brother saying he's the Messiah. Some of us would knock our brother out. Like, you ain't no Messiah. I'll show you the Messiah. You're going to meet the Messiah right now. So I could imagine James has gone through his own confusion. And James now believes his half-brother is the son of God. Same mother, different father. His father is the Holy Father. Whew. And so James probably was bullied, persecuted, all this kind of stuff. And he begins to write in James chapter 1 to encourage all of us really throughout history. And he says, um, you're blessed. You're blessed if you're able to endure under trial. If you keep persevering, you, you'll be blessed. 
By the way, today, if you're under fire, if you're going through a trial, you keep persevering, you'll be blessed. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what the coworker says. Doesn't matter what families. Oh, come on, you're blessed in Jesus' name. You persevere. Now he says, God doesn't tempt, he trains. There's a difference between temptation and trials. God wants to train us to be stronger. He doesn't tempt us to make us fall. God is not a tempter. He cannot tempt you and I because there is no evil in him. And so some of them, what happened was that they were under such heavy fire and trials and testing that they were tempted to give up. Your trial could become a temptation to give up the hope that you had in Jesus. And so remember, he's saying, God is trying to make you stronger. He's not tempting you to quit. Are we following along so far? This is James encouraging us. Now, if you are tempted, he says, temptation, it actually comes from you. It doesn't come from Satan. It doesn't come from demons. It doesn't come from el diablito. It comes from you. Somebody says it comes from me. Have you ever heard somebody was the devil made me do it? We love to blame the devil for everything. I'm late to work. What happened? The devil punched my tire. I mean, I just got a flat tire. The devil is a liar. I believe that Satan is real and I believe demons are real. Absolutely. We've had to free people that have been possessed by demons here. It is rare, but it happens. We lay hands and the name of Jesus is more powerful than anything else in the world. But not everything is a demon. And demons aren't absolutely every, I'm not obsessed with demons. I'm obsessed with the Holy Spirit. I'm obsessed with God. I'd rather talk and pray God than demons. And so what we're blaming Satan for is usually our fault. And how'd you have that affair? Man, the devil, she just, he just put her right in front of me. No, brother, that was you. That was you. Now, I love how James puts it, right? James says this in verse 12. He says, blessed is the man. Okay, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted. Not if you're tempted. Let no one say if he's tempted. No, let no one say when he's tempted it's not if you're going to be tempted it's when you're going to be tempted so every single one of us we are going to be tempted and more than likely sometimes we will fall every single one of us doesn't matter how holy you think you are how perfect you think you are you will be tempted and if you're not careful you will fall you will fall every single one so if you are a professional Christian and acting like you got it all together, why don't you just put that guard down right now and say, yeah, I've been tempted, I've fallen. Come on, we're all in this together. Amen? Jesus, at the table with his disciples, he are 12 men that he picked. These are 12 men that he chose. He handpicked these men, men that are heroes to us. They went on to write letters that have actually changed thousands of people across the world, billions of people across generations, right? These men were handpicked by Jesus. At the table, he said, one of you is a devil. Now, if none of them were tempted, it would have been easy. That's Judas. Of course it's Judas. That's easy. Jesus, thank you. Obvious. No, but what did they do? They all started looking around like, is it me? Oh, Jesus called me out. Now, if the 12 that he picked think that, who are we to think? We got it all together. I love that Bishop Jakes gave this example. If Jesus walked in here today, physically, physically, Jesus, his nice long robe, wavy hair like Arnold, if he was here right now, 
and he were to say, one of you is not living right. <laughs> oh, Lordy, Lordy, come on. Lord, forgive me, God, I'm sorry. Those of you who think you got it all together and you got no problem, you are a liar. Repent, stop lying, and get it all together. So when you are tempted, you will be tempted. Some of you are tempted to lie right now. Some of you are tempted to disconnect right now. But we're all going to be tempted with all kinds of things. When you're tempted, don't blame God. And he shows us the source. He calls, it's, it's the desire inside of mankind. It's something on the inside. It's the searching. Now, I looked up the word desire, did a long study on the word desire. Desire is possibly the best word that we can come up with, but, but it actually means to turn. It's, it's our own turning. It's our own searching. It's our own longing for satisfaction that makes us turn away from God. Now, James, he's going to give us the breakdown of temptation, and he breaks it down in four different uh, ways. This is what happens. This is the process of temptation. It starts with desire. It moves on to deception, moves on to then disobedience, and ends up in death. death. Somebody say death. James talks about, he starts with fishing terms and he ends in childbirth terms. So he ends, he starts with fishing terms. He's talking to a lot of people who understood uh, the fishing culture. And he says, oh, you are, it is your desire. Another word is lust. It's not sexual lust, but it's a, it's a wanting, a longing that makes you turn. This desire, it says, God is not enough. I, he promised satisfaction. He promised that he would bless me. He promised that he would heal me. He promised that he would provide for me. And if God takes too long, I'll turn around and I'll find something else. Because there's a longing. There, there's a desire. There's a hunger, a thirst. There's a lust to want to satisfy something on the inside. So we turn. It starts with desire. It starts with desire, and he says that we are, we are actually lured away. We start walking away from God because of this internal longing for satisfaction. It lures us away the same way that a fisherman throws bait in the water, and he begins to lure the fish away until the fish bites the hook. Number two, deception. Satan knows our weak areas. And so it's our inner desire working with his deceptive bait. Or just another relationship will satisfy that love feeling that you're looking for. Or just another one night stand, just another, another bottle will bring you the peace that you're looking for. A little bit more money, if you cheat somebody out of money, if you, if you lie on your taxes, or if you just give up and if you go into that temper tantrum and just rage a little bit, you'll put everybody in place and there you'll feel good. And, and it's Satan knowing, and he hooks the bait. So we're lured away, and we, we fall for the deception of the enemy. These are fishing terms. So we're, we're, we're actually lured away, and then we are ensnared by this hook when we, number three, disobey. I, I'm going to do this because I think this is what's going to satisfy my soul. I, I'll just do this. I'll just lie one more time. I'll just cheat one more time. And I just need a moment of peace. And this, it's the lie that this will bring me more peace than the Father. This will bring me more satisfaction than God. 
Oh, this will bring me everything that I've been looking for. I've had a hard week. A little bit of pornography will give me the relief that this couldn't give me. And so it ends in disobedience. And then he goes into childbirth and he says, basically, once you conceive, it brings forth death. Wow. James is like, you don't, don't die going after deceptive lies of the enemy. By the way, death there is not just physical death. Sin brings all kind of death. I say this almost every single week, but sin will kill you slowly. It brings death to our mental life, our emotional life. Basically, death, what it means is separation. How many of us have fallen into sin that all of a sudden brings separation in our marriage? Separation from family? Separation from God? Ultimate death is ultimate separation from God eternally. Sin, sin is private, but it never remains private. Little by little begins to separate you as you're dying slowly. All because we were lured away by our own desire. But James gives us hope today. Because if this was the end of the message, I'll be depressed with you. <laughs> we got no hope. But James gives us a picture of hope. And it's a beautiful picture of hope. I'll, I'll ask just for two. Arnold, if you can come up here. And John, if you can come up here really, really quick. And hopefully this makes some sense. I'm trying to give us a picture. Okay. Yeah, you can come up straight up. Awesome. There's no time. Arnold's going to represent the father. He has the nice look. And John... You're looking toward the Father. And this is our relationship with God. We're, we're walking with God. We have relationship with God. And you can hug the Father. We, we embrace the Father. All right, this is awesome. Yeah, there you go. But by our own desire on the inside, there's a longing. And maybe God has taken a little bit too long and it's not on John's clock. Whatever he's looking for, whatever he needs. And it's this desire that makes him turn. Turn. He turns his face and he starts coming after the deception of the enemy. We talked about this a few years ago, but it actually creates distance between us and God. You ever notice whenever you fall into temptation, you actually don't feel like coming back to church. I'll just go the following week. I've had a rough week. And it's really guilt and shame that keep us from the Father. And so it creates more distance. And we're looking the other way. And, and it ultimately ends up in death. Spiritual death, emotional death. We're dying and nobody knows. On the outside, it looks like we're living. On the outside, it looks like we got it all together. But inside, we're dying. We got fears that nobody knows about. Insecurities that nobody knows about. Because we abandon God's will by turning. Somebody say turning. But look what James does. He says, sin brings death, but God brings life. Do not be deceived, he says. Every good and perfect gift is from the Father above, the Father of lights. And then he goes even further. And this, I mean, this is something that should shake you on the inside. It should give you a revelation of how good God is. He compares him to the stars of the sky. He calls him basically what the Hebrew people would say, the father of lights. He's the one that made the cosmic world that we see. In other words, he never moves. He's always on. And he said, in him, there is no shadow or no turning, no variation. Literally what he says is God never turns around. 
And so you and I may turn from him, but the moment we turn to him, we realize he's always looking. His face is always toward us. He's always looking. He's always waiting. And we run back to the Father because he's a faithful God. He's a good God. He's a God of grace, love, mercy, and hope. Come on, this is the God. Thank you so much. This is the God that we have. He's the Father of lights. And if you look to him, he'll bless you. If you look to him, he'll provide for you. If you look to him, he'll heal you. He'll heal the soul. You might have been gone. You might have been distant. But the Father, he never moves. He's always there and he never turns. He never changes. Oh, that's the God that you and I can rely on forever. I'm reminded of when the prophet Nathan approached David and he gave him the example of the man who killed the sheep, basically him having the affair with Bathsheba. And he says, oh, David, you are the man that did this. And he says, oh, David, God has been so good to you. And if you would have followed God, he would have given you more than you can imagine. God is so good. God is so awesome that I promise you, I promise you, if you give him your life and you serve him and you look to him all the days of your life, he'll give you more than you can handle. He'll bless your life. Oh, come on, he'll give you every blessing. Today, I don't know what you're looking for. Hold on just a little longer. This will never satisfy. This will never fill. This will never bring peace, hope, grace, and mercy. But there's a father. He's consistent. He's good. He's awesome. He's faithful. You turn to him. He is a good father. And if I just turn and look, I realize he's never turned from me. In him, there is no variation. There is no turning. There is no shadow part of God. He's always consistent, always looking in our direction. Oof, that's a good father. That's a good, good father. Today is Father's Day. I'm telling you, you may not have an earthly father. You have a heavenly father. That's better than any earthly father could ever be. Today's shame and guilt may be weighing you and I down and our soul is vexed, oppressed, weighed down. You can turn to the Father and He heals the soul. That's what James says. In Him there is no variation, there is no shadow, there is no turning, He says. So put away all filthiness. Put away all rampant wickedness. Another word is superfluity. Literally what it means is somebody with a long distorted nose. That's literally what it means in the Hebrew. In other words, your flesh goes way beyond. You need to learn how to discipline it. Don't let your flesh get too long. We live in this flesh. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Don't, don't act like you walk around in clouds all day and you don't even know what's going on in this world. But learn how to have discipline. He puts the responsibility on man. Well, I just can't. I just can't. No, you need discipline. And we can conquer temptation. Plus, we have the help of the Holy Spirit. Today, what do we do? I'll finish with these three quick things, but there's a lot that we can learn from James, and we'll get to it this fall. I think, number one, we need to recognize that every single one of us will be tempted. Another word for recognize, basically, is we need to confess. I'll put it this way. It's easier to confess a temptation than it is a sin. Today, if there's a temptation that you're struggling with, what's that one area in your life that you are struggling with? Recognize and talk to somebody about it. Because it's going to be way easier to confess a temptation than it is a sin. Today, recognize, I know, 
I know the area where the, the devil always comes to attack me and I see my desire with his bait always leaves me entangled. So I'm gonna do what James says, James chapter five, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Today there's healing for us. And the way God chose to heal us is by you speaking to somebody. You don't need to tell everybody, but you do need to tell somebody. Tell somebody in your life, like, hey, I've been tempted with this. And before I fall into that temptation, I'm going to expose it. When you talk to somebody, when you and I go before a pastor, a leader, a friend, a brother, a sister, and when we tell them what's going on, we shine a light where the enemies wanted to bring darkness. Because the enemy always works in darkness and God always operates in light. So we need to shine a light in that area where the enemy's working. Number one, recognize. Number two, we need to resist. James chapter four, verse seven, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Literally, put on your Nikes and run as fast as you can. Today, there needs to be some discipline for us to resist. You need to learn how to turn away from whatever temptations in front of you. And, and maybe we say, well, I have no power. I can't. You got more power than you think you can. You can resist and turn away. Flee from it. doesn't say walk away while looking back like, okay, I'm walking. I'm going to resist this thing. But, but there's my anger. There's that relationship. There's that, no, you need to run from it. The way Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. Potiphar wanted to sleep with him. She was the first desperate housewife of Egypt. The first cougar in scripture and Joseph ran out of there sometimes you need to run resist what are you doing to resist that weak area where the devil's tempting you and your desire locked with him will make you fall run I said this week one of this series but the best way to resist temptation is to eliminate temptation the best way to resist temptation is to eliminate temptation why resist something that you can eliminate if you have power to eliminate it today, whatever it is, you may need to block a website, block some numbers, block some friends. You, you may need to get away from some people, but it's easier to eliminate than it is to resist. That's part of resisting is to eliminate it. And then number three, refocus. Refocus. He talks about the nature in James chapter one. Again, this fall, we'll get more into the details, but he says, basically put off all filthiness. He's, he's literally talking about it like a coat. You can take it off take off all filthiness and wickedness and then he says with meekness receive the word of God that can come healing the soul in other words you need to refocus your mind we need to retrain our mind with God's word it's the implanted word meaning he said it's the seed inside and when you think about it when you receive it with humility basically be humble enough to say I need help the word will heal your soul you may be saved. I'm talking to believers too. You may be saved. You may be going to heaven. You followed Jesus for 30 years. You know more scripture than many of us in here, but your soul's tangled. You got heaviness in your soul. Go back to the implanted word with humility and you'll heal the soul. Amen. I want us to stand up all across this place. Today, I don't know who you need to speak to. I don't know who you need to approach, but I know that there's healing for you and me. And he's a good father. He's a good father. Today, you may need to speak to somebody. And I know that if you approach one of our pastors, one of our leaders, 
you're not going to get a shocked face at something you may say. Because all the pastors, leaders in here, we recognize we're fallen too. And if you approach God, you'll realize his face has always been looking toward you. Being vulnerable for a moment, shared this story with a couple of friends a couple months ago, and I'm gonna share it with you today. Years ago, this is probably more than 10 years ago, I remember there was a moment in my life where I fell into a temptation and I looked at something I should not have looked at. I'm human and I'm a man and I looked longer than I should have and shame and guilt wanted to come into my life and wanted to lock me up. And all I did was just look a little bit longer than I should, a few seconds longer than I should have. And immediately I felt like the enemy wanted to trap me with shame and guilt. And I remember I called my dad. My dad's my pastor. He's not only my physical dad, he's my pastor, he's my friend, he's my coach. I called him, I said, dad, I, I just need to get off my chair. I need to confess. I was tempted with staring at this longer and staying in it. And I confessed the temptation. My dad came over to my house. He walked in, he hugged me and he says, son, everything's gonna be all right. You're a man of God. That's not who you are. You were tempted, but you did not fall. God is for you. God is before you. And today that, that always reminds me of the heavenly father that we have. He's a good father. He's a good father. With eyes closed, hands lifted all across this place. We've been there. We've been there. Where the things of this world look more appealing than whatever God has for you. Some of us have looked, some of us have fallen, but seven times a righteous man will fall, seven times the Lord will pick him up. Have you been tempted? Have you looked a little longer than you should have to your temper, to giving up, to quitting, to lust, to overeating, to whatever it is? What is your temptation that you've been looking at? And it's drawn you away, it's lured you away from the Father. Today there's healing, today there's hope. Today the good Father will hug you and embrace you and say, my face is always toward you. I love you more than you can imagine. And he's faithful and just to forgive. Today if you need healing, today if you're saying, I need freedom in my soul, can you lift up your hand? We've been praying for freedom all month long. Today we're gonna continue. Why don't you lift up your hands if you're saying today, there's an area of my life that I need God to heal me. I need God to help me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hand. If there's somebody in your row with a hand raised, why don't you put a hand on their shoulders and begin to pray for them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn, turn to him. I'm turning around to the Father. I'm turning around to the Father. Father, I pray for each and every single person. Every single person struggling today, in the fight today. Every single person that may be dealing with a temptation, a fight, a struggle, guilt, or a shame. Ah, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Holy Spirit, I know that you're here and I know that you live in us, you abide in us. Father, I pray that right now with the help of the Holy Spirit, you come healing, you come bringing freedom in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah. Father, I pray for each and every area of the heart that wants to be locked up, bound up, oppressed, possessed. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, bring freedom into this house. Bring freedom to every single person connected online that may have a hand raised today. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're faithful. We thank you that every good and perfect gift, it comes down from the Father of lights. You're stable. You're permanent. Oh, you're never changing. And today we can count on you. You are always there. You are always faithful. And today there's mercy. There's grace. There's forgiveness. There's healing. God, forgive us for toxic thoughts. Forgive us for faithless thoughts. Forgive us for turning from you and self-sabotaging. Forgive us from abandoning God's will for our life and purpose. God, today we turn to you. I'm turning around. You're a good God. You're a good father. Bring healing to every home. Today, I pray healing for marriages, healing for relationships. And God, I pray that we would be disciplined believers who know how to resist the enemy, run from temptation, and run into the arms of the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, if you're here today and you say, Alex, this sounds okay, but I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're here and you're saying, there's no way God wants anything to do with me. I've actually sinned more than you can imagine. I've done stuff that nobody knows about. Listen, that may be true. I don't know your story. I don't know where you, where you were last night, what you did last week, last month. But there's a God in heaven who does. And he loves you so, so much. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, today if you're here and you're saying, Alex, I need God. I need the Father. Oh, today he's looking and he's waiting for you with arms open wide. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner. There's not one perfect person in this place. And our sin separates us from God. The Bible says that the wages of sin are death. The penalty of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Sin will kill you slowly, emotionally, mentally. Some of us, we're experiencing that right now. We've experienced separation from a spouse, from family, from God, because we've allowed sin in our life. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, so that whosoever believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin, the sins of the world, put it on his shoulders. He went up on a cross and he paid for the sins of humanity. The Bible says that he died there on that cross. He went down to a grave. He was dead for three days. But after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. I believe with all my heart that Jesus is alive today. Today he's offering peace, hope, forgiveness. With every eye closed, with every head bowed. If today you're saying, Alex, I need Jesus. Alex, I need forgiveness. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Hold it up as long as you can. I just want to see who I'm praying for. And then you can put it right back down. Every eye closed in a moment of privacy and a moment of prayer. Come on, his dream team is praying. Pastor's praying. If you're here today and you say, Alex, I need a relationship with God. I need forgiveness. At the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless 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 you. Amazing, amazing. Awesome, awesome. You can put your hands back down if you're watching online every week. People make decisions online as well. Let us know in the chat. There's pastors and leaders there. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if, you, if you're saying this prayer, if you're saying, I need Jesus, I need a relationship with God, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church, out loud with one voice, say, Father, thank you 
for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come on, say, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I am saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, Calvary, can we make some noise? Come on, for every person that made a decision today to follow Jesus, we love you. We think you made the best decision in the world. And there's going to be a Connect 10 outside right next to the photo booth. There's a bag there that we want to give you. It's a free bag. It has a Bible. It has a gift. Thank you, BJ. This bag, you're going to see a bunch of people waving it. It's free. Just go by there and say, hey, I did this prayer with Alex. And they're going to give you that bag. They'll put it in your hand. Absolutely free. There's a Bible. There's a coffee mug. There's all kind of things in there. It's a free gift from us to you. We love you. One more time, happy Father's Day to every single dad. Come on, one more time. Every single dad, we love you. Why don't you hug somebody? Give somebody a high five. Come on, let's leave out of here worshiping one more time. Father, we love you. We thank you. Go before us this week. We pray that you go before us as we look to you, follow you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're our help in times of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.